Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. So good to see all of you here out church on a Sunday morning, so good to gather together to pray, to worship, to break bread together. Nothing better than gathering together as the church and glorifying God. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says this, just the first part of the verse, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So Father, just thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence that is here today. Father, as we go to the word, uh, Father, I just pray that our ears would be open to hear your voice, the voice of the spirit uh, that's able to uh, speak into the depth of our heart. Father, we don't underestimate or take for granted, Father, the power of your word. We know the power of a thought from you. One word from you, Lord God, can change the destiny of our lives, the direction of our life. And so, Lord, we come before you humbly, Lord God, with a heart that's open, Lord God, to say, Lord, speak, speak to me, Lord. Father, let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. I thank you the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all, from all my unrighteousness, Lord God. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. I thank you that you will speak, that our lives will be changed because of today. Father, we continue to commit Ellie Georgia to you in, in hospital as she's recovering from surgery. Father, we just pray your hand upon her. Father, that there would be a complete recovery in the name of Jesus. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Dictionary defines a hero as someone who demonstrates great courage, nobility, who performs great deeds involving daring and risk. Uh, often putting themselves in harm's way for the sake of people, principle, or cause. I think that's a great description of Esther. Uh, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been looking at the life of Esther. story of Esther is a story about a woman that became, became queen because she had the right looks. That's a superficial story, but there is a deeper story here. It's a story of an incredible woman who demonstrated courageous faith, a woman of character who risked her own life, who was used by God to save a nation. It's a powerful story. So many principles that we can learn from this, this book called Esther. The question we want to explore today is how does God form people like Esther? People who are used by God in an amazing way, People who uh, demonstrate incredible courage, powerful faith, people of character who end up doing extraordinary things for God. How does God shape people like that? Bible is full of examples of ordinary people that were used by God to do extraordinary things. David was used by God to defeat a giant, a Goliath who was much taller, much bigger, much stronger. It looked like he was finished, but God used him to defeat and confront this giant. God used the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who were delivered from the fiery furnace. A Joseph who rose to prominence in Egypt. He was a nothing and a nobody from a, from a family in Israel, but God brought him to become the number two 
in charge of Egypt. Samson was used by God to defeat the Philistines. Daniel delivered from the lions. Then Peter before the Sanhedrin, an ordinary fisherman. I believe God is still looking for heroes today. I believe God is still looking for people who are gonna risk everything, risk their very life to be used by God in a powerful way. I believe that God is still looking for those kind of people. And I don't know about you, but my prayer has been from a very young age, Lord, I wanna be one of those people that You use. I don't wanna just go through the motions of life. I don't wanna just do the ordinary. I don't nothing wrong with the ordinary. I wanna do the things that need to be done and, and so on. But, but ultimately, look, God, I wanna be used by You. I want my life to count for eternity. Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord, as we read in our text, they, they're, they're running to and fro throughout the earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him, says the King James. Question for me is, well, how did Esther become the kind of person that when faced with a challenge, didn't shy away from it, didn't run from it. Uh, when, when, when she was faced with a situation to, to, to be used by God, she didn't turn her back on it. She did. She risked her life for the sake of others. What is the process God uses to develop heroic faith in ordinary people like you and me? Well, today I want to, uh, speak on one of those ways, probably got a couple of messages on this, but I want to speak on one of those ways that God uses to develop heroic faith. He uses the strong directive challenge of a tough loving friend. In Esther's case, it was Mordecai. And I pray that God will speak to all of us today. Last week, we looked at evil Haman who convinced the king to issue an edict whereby on a certain date, all the Jews were to be killed. He, he had this incredible hatred for Mordecai, but he, he convinces the king to issue an edict that all the Jews were to be killed on a certain day. Chapter four opens with Mordecai finding out about the plot to kill the Jews. Um, for those that don't know who Mordecai was, uh, Mordecai was Esther's older cousin. Uh, because her parents had died, she lived with him. He was like um, a father uh, to Esther. He was like the adopted father um, uh, uh, of Esther. He was a man of character, a man of strength and pr principle. In fact, um, the Bible describes him in, in chapter 10, verse 3 in Esther. It says, Mordecai the Jew was held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of the Jews. So when he finds out about the plot to kill the Jews, uh, Mordecai um, is at the king's gate, he's weeping, he's in sackcloth and ashes. Um, he's in distress uh, at, the, at the king's gate. Um, Esther finds out that Mordecai is weeping, he's, he's wearing uh, sackcloth and, and ashes and he thinks, well, maybe, uh, maybe he doesn't have enough money for clothes, maybe he needs, to, maybe he needs some new clothes. So she, she organises someone to go down to him, bring him some new clothes um, and kind of find out what's going on. Mordecai tells the messenger everything and says to him, tell Esther, tell Esther go back to Esther and tell her she needs to go to the king. Tell her to tell the king everything that is happening and everything that is going on in his own palace. Mordecai, the Bible says, also gave him, that is the, the, the servant that came out, a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead for her people. The King James Version uh, puts it a little stronger. It says, and that he might command her it wasn't a suggestion, it was command her, 
you go to the king and make supplication before him for the people. It's the first thing that God used to develop heroic faith in Esther. He used the strong, directive challenge of a tough, loving friend. In this case, it was Mordecai. Mordecai was saying to Esther, I want you to speak to the king. No, sorry. I don't want you to just speak to the king. I command you. I command you to go to the king. I want you to use your position of power to plead for favour, to speak to him on behalf of the people. Esther here hesitates. You get a sense from the text she hesitates, and rightly so. She, in essence, says to Mordecai, I know what you think uh, is the right thing to do. I know what you want me to do. But you need to know some things, Mordecai, because maybe you don't understand how things work in the palace. There are rules about approaching the king, even if you are the queen. If I approach the king and he doesn't want me to, I could lose my life. The only way through, through this is that the king holds out his golden scepter. And I haven't been asked to see the king for 30 days. So that's a little bit of problem. On top of that, she needs to tell the king that he made a bad decision and that he needs to change it. A king doesn't like to be told what to do by women. Last woman that tried to tell him what to do, she doesn't go into the palace anymore. <laughs> she lives in the shack, you know, in the, somewhere else far, far away. So try and understand her position. She has good reason to be concerned about uh, Mordecai's command. The danger's real. The risk is great. Uh, it could end up in death for her. Just by going into the presence of, king, of the king, she could end up dying. So she sends a message back to Mordecai. And in, in essence, what she says to Mordecai, I'm not going to do this. Now, if you were a good friend of Esther, what would you do? How would you handle a situation like this? Well, a good friend would probably back off, respect her boundaries, accept the answer. Don't want to push you. Don't want you to feel bad. If you want to do it, it's, if, you, if you want to do it, it'd be great. But if you don't want to do it, it's okay. I'll still love you. Mordecai did none of that. Instead, he challenged her to go to the king. He challenged her with strong language to go to the king. And because of that, because of that strong challenge, she saved the nation. So what is the value of Mordecai in our lives? Because that's what I want to speak about this morning. Story of Esther and Mordecai, but all of us need a Mordecai in our lives. I want to speak about the value of a Mordecai for all of us. First value of a Mordecai is they help us see destructive patterns in our lives that we cannot see ourselves. The first, the first, the first thing we learn about a Mordecai, why do we need a Mordecai in our life? The first reason is because Mordecais see destructive patterns in our lives that we cannot see in ourselves. Rather than back off, Mordecai pushes Esther, pushes her hard. He sends back a reply. Do not think that because you're the kings in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Esther, don't be naive. Don't think you're safe because you're in the palace. Consequences of your decision are going to affect a lot of people, including you and your father's household. Don't think that you're going to be spared because of this edict, because it's going to affect you as well. 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance is going to come from somewhere else. In other words, if you disobey God, hey, listen, Esther, here's an opportunity for you. But if you miss the opportunity, God is going to use somebody else. Here's some truth. God is, God is going to save His people with or without you. It's true that Mordecai couldn't see everything. It's true maybe that Mordecai didn't understand the rules of the palace about who and what and when the risk involved. But Mordecai could see some things, Esther couldn't. So here's the thing. We're really good at seeing the problems in other people, but not very good at seeing destructive patterns in our own life. Uh, we're not really good at seeing them in ourselves. And, and here's the reality. Here's, here's the reality. This is an important reality in life. It's a sign, in my view, of maturity. We don't know what we don't know. And we can't see what we can't see. But usually the people around us can see very clearly what's going on in our lives. Usually there are one or two people that can see very clearly exactly what's going on in our lives. We can't see what we can't see. We don't know what we don't know. But many times the people around us can. You know, one of the marks of the last days, we've talked about this a number of times here at church, one of the marks of the last days is going to be deception. The Bible tells us very clearly. The question is, how do we protect ourselves from deception? Deception is essentially, I believe black is white and white is black. And I believe it to be truth. How do we protect ourselves from that? Well, one of the ways that we protect ourselves from that the first step that we, that we need to take, if we're going to protect ourselves from deception, one of the things that we need to understand is that we can be deceived. doesn't matter how long we've been in the faith. doesn't matter how many church services we've been to, Bible college, study the Bible. It doesn't matter how long we've been in faith. All of us can be deceived. All of us can be, be, end up in a position where we, we start calling black, white and white, black. Uh, be careful when you think you're strong, says the Bible, because that's when you're at your weakest. How do we protect ourselves from, from deception? We protect ourselves from an understanding that the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? And that somehow when, in, when we're in the wrong circumstance, in the wrong situation, in the wrong, 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 when all these wrongs meet together, we can all fall into a deception. So how do... How do we protect ourselves from that? One of the ways we protect ourselves is by having a Mordecai in our life. Why, why do we need a Mordecai in our life? Because they can see things in us that we cannot see in ourselves. It's the value of a Mordecai. Second value of a Mordecai is they help us face the truth we may not be willing to face. There are times in our life when we know the truth, but, but we live in denial. Pretend everything's fine. We know that it's not. Our lifestyle is not consistent with our faith. We justify it. I'm busy. It's hard. It's not my fault. There are times in our life when all we need, when what we all need is a Mordecai that's going to challenge us with the truth. Times in our life where we all need a Nathan who comes and knocks on our door. Hello, David. How's your day been? It's been a good day today. Oh, that's great. I just thought I'd come over for a coffee. Great. I've got a little story I'd like to read to you. It's a little story I just borrowed, a little book. It's about a guy who had lots of sheep and a guy that had just one sheep. 
And Nathan begins to talk to him about a story. There are times in our life where we all need a Nathan. Can I hear an amen? David had committed adultery murder. As far as he was concerned, everything, this is one year later. As far as he was concerned, everything was fine. But he was in a deep deception. Deep deception. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor Joe, I got you. Uh, this message is really good for the person sitting next to me. <laughs> no, I'm glad you're preaching it to them, you know, because they really need to hear this message. Here was David, a man after God's own heart. A man who's written most of the Psalms. This was not a, this was not a, this was not a, a person that didn't know God. This was not a person who did, this was not a, this was a, not an issue of knowledge, a lack of knowledge. There's something deeper going on here that not even David knew about. Um, he was in a deep deception. And God sends Nathan to challenge him with the truth. We learn so much from David. We learn uh, about so many things from David. But I just love David's response because this is where, why was he a man after God's own heart? You learn uh, not only by the, his worship, his leadership, and so on and so on, but look at how he responds when faced with the truth. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't blame somebody else for that. He says, you're right. Immediately when he's faced with the truth, he repents before God. Mordecai goes on to test and say, now who knows that you've come to royal position for such a time as this? And, and, and to end his challenge to her, he says, and, and maybe the real reason why you're in this position, why you won the prize, why you became queen was, 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 was not for your benefit, Esther. Maybe it was for this reason that you came into this position to redeem a nation. Esther's forced to make a decision when she's confronted with the truth. What does she want to do with her life? Who does she really want to be? Who is she really? Who is she really serving? She's, she's at a crossroads in her life where she has to make a decision. What does she want to do with her life? Do I, do I, do I want to look after number one, numero uno? Or does she want to save a nation? Is she just a mannequin or is she a woman of God? One of the reasons why Esther became a woman of God was because she had a Mordecai it's what God used to form the necessary character in Esther. How did Esther become such a great woman of God? What enabled her to step out in faith and be used by God in a powerful way? One of the reasons, one of the reasons why she became that kind of a woman, because she had a Mordecai in her life. And Mordecai is what God uses to develop character and heroic faith in you and me. He uses the strong direction and challenge of a tough, loving friend who loves us enough to tell us not what we want to hear, but to speak truth into our lives. And sometimes that person is a friend, and sometimes it's a husband or wife, a mum or dad, a teacher, a coach, boss, pastor, leader, accountability group, counsellor, someone who cares enough to tell us the truth and not feel the need to always make us feel good. Someone who's going to take a risk and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to speak the truth into your life. And I know it's risky because you might not like me anymore, but you know what, I'm going to do it anyway because I love you. If we're going to develop heroic faith, do extraordinary things for God, we need to be open to corrective feedback 
Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Come on, just say, man, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. It's going to go to the beach and maybe yeah, just have a coffee. Some no, let's go to church. Got to open. Got to, got, got, got to love corrective feedback. Beautiful. Proverbs says, like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? To someone who values feedback, it's like an earring of gold. The writer says, you know, over the years, I thank God that God has brought a couple of Mordecai's in my life and I've been corrected many times by them. And you know, every time I've been corrected by one of those Mordecai's, I've always hugged them afterwards and said, I just thank you so much. I love you so much. It's not true at all. (laughs) No one likes to be corrected. I hate it. But you know what? Never be afraid of the truth. If we're going to protect ourselves from deception, is a couple of the first step is know that you can be deceived. That's the biggest one of all. Do you know what? Doesn't matter how many years I've been in faith, I can be deceived. Number one. Number two, love the truth. Love the truth. Fall in love with the truth. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's an offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I want to know the way of truth. I don't want to get to the other side of eternity and and I find out, well, I could have and I should have and I might have. If only I had done this. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's a dangerous prayer to pray because if you pray that kind of prayer, then God starts to show us what's in our hearts. And sometimes it's not always pretty, but it's always freeing, that's for sure. And it always leads us to doing amazing things for God when we respond in the right way. Third value of a Mordecai is they help us see the potential in our lives. Not only do they see destructive patterns, they also see our potential. Mordecai could see clearly that Esther might be in a position to save a nation. So he challenges her to consider the possibility that this situation was an opportunity from God, um, that she was a woman of strength. She was a woman of of character. And that if she trusted God and took a step of faith, she might be used by God in a powerful way. All throughout the Bible, you see examples of Mordecai's in this way. The Apostle Paul had Barnabas. When the Apostle Paul got saved, people were afraid of him. They thought, you know, he's he's come to kill us. He's pretending he's a disciple, but actually he's come to kill us. There's no way he's a Christian. The Bible says when when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told him how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. But Barnabas saw something in Paul that, that no one else could see that he could not see. It's the power of a Mordecai. It's the power of a Mordecai to see things in us that no one else can see. It's not just the the destructive patterns, it's also the potential inside of us. When Timothy was discouraged because of some challenges in his ministry, he was ready to give up. And Paul writes to him and says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. And Paul says to Timothy, don't disqualify yourself. Remember the Word of God that's been spoken over your life. 
It's the value of a, of a, um, of a Mordecai, Samuel had Eli who recognised that God was speaking to him and he says to him, hey, speak, Lord, for your servant. Hey, next time you hear the voice, why don't you pray, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's the value of a Mordecai to teach us, to lead us, to guide us in our journey of faith. It's the value of a Mordecai. Fourth principle we learn is to benefit from a Mordecai, we need a teachable spirit. Despite the obvious risk for Esther, she responded to Mordecai's challenge. This is where you know who Esther really was. Here she is, she's, she's being challenged to, to, uh, uh, to approach the king and she's weighing it all up. And in the end, she, she did exactly what he said and what he told her to do. She said, go gather all the Jews who are in Susan fast for me. When this is done, I will go to the king and if I perish, I, if I perish, I perish. To benefit from a Mordecai, we need to develop a humble spirit. A humble spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who have a humble spirit. A person that, that has, uh, uh, has reached the end of themselves. A person that says, I can't do this on my own. I can't get out. I don't know what to do. I don't have all the answers. I don't know, I, 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 I'm limited in myself. Because when we're spiritually destitute, we become spiritually dependent. Not only we become spiritually dependent on God, we also become spiritually dependent on other spiritual people around us. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. And in so doing, the kingdom of heaven is ours. How do we protect ourselves from deception? Number one, know you can be deceived. Number two, love the truth. Number three, stay connected to the church. Stay connected to the body of Christ. There's a protection by, from being part of this thing called the church of Jesus. There's a protection. And it's not just attending. Attending is a good thing, but, but being connected within the context of the house of God. The opposite of humility is prideful independence of God. It's people who say, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I don't need other people. I can get through this. It's stubborn self-will that will cause us to not be used by God in a powerful way. And that's inside all of us, just for the record. When someone gives advice, we, at times we can, there, there can be a resistance inside of us that comes up. We need to cultivate a humble spirit. To benefit from a Mordecai, we need to value wisdom. Proverbs says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and you become wise. Um, Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept discipline and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Listen to advice. Have a teachable spirit. Get to a place in your life where you say, you know what, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. Surround yourself with people of wisdom and you will be counted among the wise. Wisdom, which is different to intelligence and knowledge. We talk about this a lot here, that, you know, some people say, oh, I'm intelligent, I'm smart. You can be smart and lack wisdom. You can have a lot of knowledge, three degrees, 
four, five. I believe in degrees. Nothing wrong with knowledge. Knowledge is powerful. But wisdom is supreme, says the Bible. Knowledge is good, but wisdom is supreme. Wisdom enables us to deal with the knowledge in a right way. So seek after wisdom. How do we get wisdom? We need to pray for it. James says, if you lack wisdom, pray. I ask for wisdom every day because I don't have a lot of it. Amen? Mm -hmm. That was a strong amen. Doesn't matter. I heard you. I heard you say amen. How do you get wisdom? Walk with the wise. Find some wise people around you and walk with them and you will become wise. And to benefit from a Mordecai, we need a teachable spirit. God spoke through Jeremiah. He said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of a potter, so are you in my hand. You see the heart of God. God is saying to Israel, won't you let me do? Why do you keep resisting what I tell you to do? Why do you keep resisting my wisdom? Why do you keep pushing back? Won't you let me... Mold you like a potter molds the clay. Teachable spirit. So it's, 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 it's a quality of every true disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a teachable spirit. I don't know everything. And, but I want to learn. If we're going to benefit from Mordecai, we need a humble spirit. We need to value wisdom, a teachable spirit. King Xerxes neither had wisdom, humility, or teachable spirit. What he did, he eliminated anyone that didn't make him feel good. Goodbye. Esther, on the other hand, had those qualities, and she saved the nation. One final principle is, is if we ignore the Mordecais in our life, they will go away. The Mordecai challenge doesn't happen much today because we have a mindset that says, my life's my business, your life's your business, you mind your business, I'll mind my business. I want you to know that that mindset is not in the Bible. Um, one, of, one, of, one of the things of the New Testament is the one another's. Uh, it's pray for one another. I like that one. Encourage one another. Build one another up. One of those one another's that we don't know very well also says admonish one another. <laughs> Ouch. We're going to grow as individuals, as a church. There needs to be an openness to being challenged sometimes with truth. Different ways that God challenges us. He challenges us by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes if we're heading in the wrong direction, God's favorite way to protect us from heading into a ditch is the voice of the Holy Spirit. If we cultivate our relationship with God and tune into the voice of the Spirit, we will hear that Spirit when we're heading in the wrong direction. We will hear something inside of us. It's, it's a gut feeling. It's something inside of us going, I shouldn't be here and I shouldn't be doing this. That's God's favourite way to deal with us. And He doesn't just talk to us once. It's once, it's twice, it's three times, four times, five times. Because that's, that's who He is. Sometimes God challenges us through His Word. As we, we hear the Word. We come to church, we hear a sermon, and, and, and it's a phrase, it's, a, it's something that, that, that we know it was for us. Sometimes it's the circumstances, and sometimes it's people. 
God sends the Holy Spirit to correct us. If we don't hear the Holy Spirit, usually God sends someone. He sends a Nathan to knock on our door. If we don't listen to the prophet, then the circumstances will teach us. The circumstances will, we will reap the fruit of our decisions and then the circumstances will tell us. The prodigal son said, dad, I'm out of here. Give me my inheritance, I'm out of here. I'm sure the dad didn't go, all right, let me write you a check. No, the father would have said, why are you doing this? This is wrong, don't do this, don't go. Leave, stay, stay, please stay, don't leave. And they said, no, I want it. Didn't listen. <coughs> so the prodigal son ends up in a pig pen wishing he could eat the food of the pigs. And the circumstances started to talk to him. It was in that environment, the Bible says, and he came to his senses. His eyes were opened because he could suddenly see. Now, not everyone whose eyes are open <coughs> not everyone whose eyes are open turn back to God. Some of them turn away from God. <clears throat> when Judas' eyes were open, he said, God could never love me. He turned away. When the prodigal son, eyes were open, he said, I'm sure God is gonna, my father's gonna accept me. He knew the heart of his father. Here's the problem with the Mordecai's in our life. If we're not humble or wise, when they come and speak, truth into our life. We will not see them for who they are. Instead, we will <coughs> see them as the enemy and push them away. We'll begin to sulk and whinge, get angry with them, avoid them, get back at them. And the value of a Mordecai is lost. Because we don't have the humility to hear the word. We never develop character. We never used by God. We never develop heroic faith. We surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear, that are nice to us. But because of that, we waste our life and never grow. I don't believe we will ever have heroic faith until we have one or two Mordecai's in our life. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It doesn't say a silk sharpens silk because silk doesn't sharpen anything. It just makes us feel really good. But when you strike iron and iron, sparks begin to fly. And if you can't handle the heat, then you need to leave the kitchen. If you think back to your life, you'll remember the Mordecai's who spoke into your life. I can remember them. God has given me the grace. It's a gift. It's a gift. The Mordecai's a gift. Um, that Pastor Elio has been part of my life for many, many years. He's always been really, really gentle with me. Oh, you don't know him. So not everyone knows him. Um, he was one of those, um, you know, just like used to speak very clearly. <laughs> Joe, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice, very gentle. Um, I had people like Pastor Dennis, who was the complete opposite. He was beautiful. <laughs> Pastor Dennis, who would gently speak into my life. God has brought some Mordecai's into my life. Uh, I, I, and they're a gift. They're a gift from God. Um, here's the reality. No one becomes accountable who doesn't let themselves become accountable. So here's the thing, the Mordecai's, they're not just going to appear. We need to be intentional about 
We need, to, we need to understand the propensity of our heart and be intentional about cultivating the relationships around us. We need to pray about it. Develop those relationships. We need to give some people some permission to speak into our lives. Some people that we trust. It's not just anybody. You don't just let anybody speak into your life. You choose very carefully who you allow to speak into your life. But you give them permission to do so. Because if you reject the Mordecai's, you abort the process of growing into heroic faith. Some of you, your Mordecai is a friend and when they told you the truth, you looked for another one. It's been a real pleasure to know you. We'll get back to you. For some, it's a parent, a spouse, and you've blown them away. The only person that suffers when we do this is us. The consequences are for us. We will never grow into the person that is used by God. For some people, on the other side of this, uh, they have a gift in seeing the flaws in others. Pastor Joe, I just see straight through people and I feel like I need to tell them exactly what I see. It's a gift I've got, Pastor Joe. Maybe if that's you, what you should do is go to spec savers and Get the plank of wood removed from your eye before you deal with the little speck of dust in other people's eye. Can I hear an amen? Mm, there must be a few of those around. <laughs> this sermon is sponsored by Spec Savers. <laughs> Question. Who's the Mordecai in your life? Who loves you enough to tell you the truth? Who do you allow to speak into your life to tell you what you may not want to hear? Truth that may be uncomfortable, truth that you may not understand, but because of who they are, you listen and you act. Not only you listen and you act, you, you seek them out because you know that what they're going to tell you is the right thing. Who do you allow to push you when you're shrinking back to inspire and challenge you even when it costs you? push you beyond the boundaries and that you've set for yourself. How open are we, I'm going to say we, to hearing the truth? God used Esther to save the Jews. I believe God is still looking for Esthers today who are going to save humanity. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show Himself strong looking for someone through whom he can show himself strong, whose heart's loyal to him. How does God make heroes? Well, one of the ways he uses people like Mordecai. And in, and in so doing, release, they're released into their destiny. Would you stand with me? I believe more than ever, this is a word for today. It's a word for this generation today. We live in a society that values independence. No one can tell me what to do. It's me, I, uh, every other person's narcissistic and <laughs> it's all about them. Um, and that's not the spirit of the word at all. <laughs>
So I just pray that God would cultivate a teachable, humble spirit. As I said, from a, from a young age, I said, I started to pray, Lord, do something with my life. I don't want to just exist and go through the motions of life. I don't want to do that. God has created us. Our life is like a breath. It's gone. I want to do whatever it is you've called me to do. And it might, it's, it's as simple or as complex as whatever God wants me to do. How do we become that person? One of the ways is we need some Mordecai's in our life that are going to guide us and guard us and challenge us and also push us into our destiny so that we can use, be used by, by God, by His grace and for His glory. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Your Word is so practical. It's so practical, Lord. And I just thank You for it. I thank You that You love us enough that you love us so much Lord God that at times you will even speak a word into our hearts that may be uncomfortable Lord I just pray that we would have a receptive heart that when that happens Lord God that we would be open to hear the voice of the Spirit that we wouldn't resist your truth but that we would humble ourselves and allow ourselves to be used by you. Father, we, have, we, we live in a nation that needs Jesus. And we don't want to be consumed with ourselves. We want to be consumed by your purposes, Lord God. We want to be an Esther in our generation. Would you use us for your glory, we pray. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen.